neighborhood is pleasant. It's serene. Tree-lined streets, wide sidewalks, and plenty of sunshine. It's the type of place where you can raise a family, send them to school, and have them start their own family right in the same neighborhood. London Plain, Pin Oak, Silver Maple, and various fir trees provide ample shade in my neighborhood. It's a working class neighborhood where Irish, Italians, and Greeks have gotten along for generations. They each have their own restaurants, supermarkets, banks, schools, languages, subway cars. Everyone gets along fine as long as they don't mix. It's an ideal place. Children run free in the streets playing games. Old people walk down the street and are accepted as equal members of the society. The days are broken up with the pitter-patter of machine gun fire, wolf-like dog growls, and sometimes the clicking of a playing card and a bicycle spoke. It's not perfect, but it's better than most have it. There is the local motorcycle gang that drag races on Tuesdays, and children that don't play baseball so much as threaten people with aluminum bats. But it's not loud. There are no shootings. Sorry, no reported shootings. Go online, look it up. No reported shootings. It's lovely. It's a nice, quiet place where you can raise a family behind inch-thick steel, triple padlocked doors, and bullet-resistant glass coating. Sometimes I put the chain on the door. My neighborhood is a friendly place where people are born, go to school, get married, have children, and die. I'll probably only do the last thing on that list. I moved here because they only asked for money. No credit check, tax returns, or previous references needed. Got cash? Perfect. I wasn't born here. The local ethnic groups don't invite me to their events. I'm a suspicious person to them. I don't feel suspicious. It's a place where the postal service delivers your mail and heroin. UPS is afraid of the neighborhood, so... Their drivers just throw packages over the wall. There is a plus to this. For whatever reason, the packages tend to land on my front lawn. Most of it is junk. Kenyan-made laptops, Iranian flat-screen televisions, Honduran intimate massagers, mislabeled rhinoceros horn powder. But every now and then something great comes along. Something like a year's supply of mango-flavored licorice. That was six weeks ago. FedEx still makes regular deliveries as their drivers are trained assassins. Our local punks don't phase them. It's impressive. Most days I sit at the windows and watch. 
Watching the street, you become accustomed to its rhythms. Downbeat, it's the workers heading off to the bus or subway. Upbeat, it's the school kids with their pants hanging too low or too tight, or their backpacks too low or too tight. Downbeat, a toddler with a monkey wrench is beating his father. Upbeat, the motorcycle gang slows and cuts the wire cord someone has run across the middle of the street. Downbeat, the special assistant school bus comes with its incessant Tito Puente type honking. Then it's free jazz. Everyone honks. For about 20 minutes every day, the street is at a standstill as cars tap, blare, and bang out patterns on their horns that would make Sun Ra smile. I need to get a horn. I do not live on a super highway, major thoroughfare, boulevard, or a street of any note. It's one way with cars parked on both sides. Every day somebody double parks. Every day a moving truck, fire truck, or regular truck can't pass. It honks. Traffic builds. They all honk. 20 minutes later, someone comes out apologetic and moves their car. The flow restarts. Rarely is someone shot. This same traffic buildup happened yesterday. Then something else did. Commuters and traffic had come and gone. The street was now a random passing car, a dog walker, a group of old men running with scissors after a smaller group of teenagers. The usual. I drank coffee and watched. My neighbors, the ones across the street, the ones in the really big house, they pulled into their driveway. Two of them got out of the SUV, opened the back, and pulled out an ATM. At first I wasn't sure what it was. See, the human mind is conditioned to identify familiar things. Car, bird, lady on crutches carrying a shaped charge. The familiar, easily recognizable patterns of my neighborhood. Two guys, one with a balaclava pushed over the top of his head, Pulling an ATM out of the back of a car was something new for my mind to digest. It was different. It was different for all of us in the neighborhood. This was something I needed to focus on. There were two men with an ATM across the street from me trying to bring it into their house. I needed to record this. The camera on my phone is wonky and that felt invasive to me. Filming them would make me part of what they were doing. Watching through my window was less involved. Thankfully my windows are covered in a film of reflective tape. I can see out but looking in, the only thing people see are themselves. Still, I needed to record this event. Filming was out. I needed something immediate and something for posterity. I turned to Twitter. I'm watching my neighbors take an ATM out of their car and bring it into their house. If you see something, tweet something. 30 minutes passed. Nothing happened. Not one person retweeted me. Not even one favorite. 
felt like it just didn't matter. Watching my neighbors became less interesting. They tried carrying up the front steps, and one of those steps snapped. It sounded like a gunshot. No one noticed. It was a Wednesday. Gunshots happen on Wednesday. If it were Thursday, someone might have noticed. Thursday is a day of rest, ceasefire, sale at the ammo hut. <laughs> These guys were smart. They planned this ATM heist. My neighbors moved in over the summer. It was exciting because the place had been empty for years. Everyone in the neighborhood hoped someone would move in and clean the place up. Not too much. We still needed a place to fling our dog shit, but, you know, make it nicer. The new neighbors moved in, and the old neighbors looked the other way. They were not what our neighborhood needed. I returned to Twitter. They couldn't lift the ATM up the stairs. It's outside on the front lawn. One of them just brought out a sledgehammer. Popcorn, please. Five minutes later, and Twitter replied with a yawn. What was trending that was so damn important? Popstar's sister was caught on film yielding a knife in a fast food restaurant. Damn, that, that is impressive. I forgave the people of Twitter. It's not like they could send me popcorn anyway. I wanted something to snack on, but I only had that licorice. of a 20-pound sledgehammer hitting a freestanding ATM is not as loud as I would have imagined. They are cursing now. ATM still closed. My phone rang. I answered. They asked for Maurice. Maurice? No, no Maurice here. The caller argued with me. He said he knew I was Maurice, that he recognized my voice. Okay. The caller got angrier. Don't lie to me. I know where your woman is. I said okay. You can have her. The caller paused. Eventually he came back, a little sheepish, and said, I'm sorry. I guess I do have the wrong number. I told him it was okay. Everything would be okay. Then it happened. The moment when you know your life has meaning. I told my caller that I had to go, but, but I would tell Maurice that someone was looking for him. What had happened, the moment, was that my Twitter feed started blowing up. The ATM tweets were being favorited and retweeted. Seven new followers. Holy shit. I was going viral. The screen is not as strong as the door, nor is it Gorilla Glass. I think a piece got embedded in neighbor number two's leg. Number one is laughing. Immediately, that got five favorites. How is no one else seeing this? Come on! There are two swarthy-looking guys with an ATM on their front lawn, and they are hitting it. 
someone, a new follower, asked me to send pics. Pics? Take a picture? Photographic evidence? Were they nuts? They were swarthy looking. Middle Eastern. The reason the old neighbors ignored them is because the second they moved in, the New York Police Department set up surveillance. The day they moved in, a Long Island power and light van became a fixture across from their house. Our neighborhood is not served by Long Island power and light. The NYPD wasn't even trying to hide the fact that they were being watched. The leader of the local motorcycle gang, the one with the Hello Kitty tattoo covering his skull, he asked the police if their presence would impact his gang activities. The cops laughed at the absurdity of it all. <laughs> the cop and the gang leader clinked 40s turned to watch the bi-monthly cockfight that the local school put on for a fundraiser so they could buy Kevlar-reinforced backpacks. Today, with the ATM, sledgehammer, and possible glass in the leg of one of my Middle Eastern neighbors, the NYPD was nowhere to be seen. The Long Island power and light van was stolen a couple of nights ago. Stolen, or as some suggested, the undercover officers got married. They'd spent months, just the two of them, in the small van. Love or murder was inevitable in such a tight place. Thirty minutes in and I have 37 new followers. A bank robber serving 15 years in a federal prison had been retweeting me. With over 2 million followers, he had some online clout tweeted me asking me what kind of neighborhood I lived in and to please keep it coming. The internet's amazing, it truly connects us all. Next I tweeted, FedEx guy just delivered them a package, completely nonplussed, ATM still closed. That happened. FedEx guy stopped his truck, got out, handed a package to number one. The package was signed for, and FedEx drove off. FedEx customer support tweeted me to ask if I needed any assistance. I was tempted to ask them to send a crowbar, but I didn't want to get involved. Number two, the one that might have glass in his leg, just put his card in the machine. <laughs> Number one just yelled, WTF and then hit number two. Removing an ATM requires some forethought, some planning. It needs to be removed in a way that will make getting it into the getaway vehicle easy. It needs to be unplugged. Number two is not the brains of this operation. The people of Twitter love this. I fed them more. Crazy neighbor lady started talking to them. Number one, the smart one, got a blanket out of the truck and put it over the ATM. Number two disappeared. Every street has a crazy neighbor lady. This one, our crazy neighbor lady, once flagged down every passing car to show them how she now has music on her phone. I can talk on the phone and listen to the Eagles at the same time. She was excited, off meds excited. I wanted to tell her no. No, you cannot listen to music and talk on the phone at the same time. 
that I was inside that day watching her and listening to her. Plus, she was walking her pet. Her pet is a fox fur she kept on a leash and dragged around the neighborhood. She has her own store on Etsy where she sells furs on leashes. I checked her e-store. Fox is currently sold out and she's having a sale on possum. Back to Twitter. Number one back with hand truck. They're moving it onto the hand truck. Neighbor lady who's wearing a bathrobe is helping. In addition to the bathrobe, which looks to be made from the scraps of older bathrobes, she was wearing a necklace of pigeon beaks. Each beak was embossed with broken glass. The way the light hit each shard, it, it was dazzling, inviting until you got close. Then, uh, oh, they seemed grateful that she was helping them. Moving an ATM is clearly a three-person job. It took longer than it should to get it on the hand truck because... Her robe was not tied well. It didn't look like there was anything underneath the robe. Number two got angry. If I could speak Arabic, I'm sure I would have heard him yell something about a goat's milk turning sour. Number one politely asked her to tie the robe closed. I had to avert my eyes and went back to Twitter. Show's over, folks. They've given up. and it was all over. The neighbors, number one and two, and crazy neighbor lady left it on the lawn. Dejected, it sat next to a stripped El Camino, a tower of dishwashers that were all missing their doors, and a crucifix. A six-foot-tall crucifix. The ATM was just another failed experiment. My Twitter followers started to fall off. I refreshed just in case. No new followers. Four less. I closed the blinds, laid down on my couch, and dreamt of popcorn. On the precipice of what was to be a long slumber, the roar of motorcycles woke me up. Motorcycles, a chain, and something metal being dragged. My fantasies of popping kernels could wait. I opened the blinds. Neighbors one and two were back and so was Crazy Neighbor Lady. With them were three members of the local bike gang. Hello Kitty Tattoo had chained the ATM to his bike and was dragging it around the street. Seeing my neighbors unload an ATM took a minute for my mind to adjust. Seeing this, well, nothing would shock me anymore. The skinhead wasn't pointing a shotgun, yelling racial slurs, tossing copies of Bill O'Reilly books at the Arab neighbors. He was helping. Even though the ATM remained sealed, no one got upset. Instead, one of the Arabs, the one with the glass in his leg, offered the skinheads lamb kebabs. They were smiling. Teenagers, the ones with their pants too tight, came next. The Arabs, crazy neighbor lady, and the bikers eyed them warily. After all, the teenagers were carrying a corpse. No matter how many times you see it, a dead body is very disturbing. They dropped the body and joined the group around the ATM. Various ideas were discussed and dismissed. 
no one was stabbed. Have you tried an acid bath? One of the teenagers suggested. They said they don't have any acid, and if they did, they wouldn't be carrying him, the body. No one had any acid, or at least enough to melt the steel of the ATM. Besides, what if the acid leaked inside, destroying the contents? Good point. The woman's auxiliary showed up next. They didn't have any safe cracking skills, but they wheeled a bathtub full of their homemade whiskey. They asked, are you one of those Muslims that can't drink, or are you the other kind? Normally we wouldn't drink, but today, calls for a drink. Whoops and hollers went around the growing crowd. They ate lamb kebabs, drank bathtub whiskey, and shared ideas for breaking into the ATM. More people came. Members of the Italian Mafia said that this model of ATM, an NCR self-serve 26, they said it's a real bitch to pop open. They brought antipasta to share. An Irish pipe and drum corp marched into the mix and sang songs. Greek grandmothers came dressed in colors other than black. They smiled and pinched everyone's cheeks. Have you tried lubricating the mechanism with olive oil? No? The ATM was then blessed in olive oil. It didn't open, but it didn't matter. This was now a neighborhood of togetherness. I wanted to join in, to be part of it, to become part of the neighborhood. This would require pants. I own pants, I just needed to locate some. They didn't need to be fancy, but they needed to cover me. Being a shut-in, pants were an option. No one sees me, so I never felt I needed pants. I was never part of something that required pants. Under the garbage bag full of mango-flavored licorice were a pair of pants. White, heavily stained sweatpants. I put them on, grabbed the licorice, and headed out the door. First, I removed the prowler bar, lifted the 20-pound steel crossbar, undid the three deadbolts, the handle lock, and unhooked the door chain. I opened the door and all the neighbors were staring at me. Good thing I was wearing pants, but I forgot to put on a shirt. The first rule of planning is to not rush. Arab neighbor number two said, welcome, welcome, and we're all waiting to see what would come out. The sounds that came out from removing all of the door restraints created a giant metal scraping sound. It caused the child to weep. I said, it's just me, your neighbor, Maurice. Please don't cry. Have some licorice. Everyone relaxed. An old man that had threatened me with a hacksaw when I first moved into the neighborhood, he came up to me with a plate of lamb, any pasta, and some sort of thin, crisp dough. I said thank you. He smiled at me and one of his teeth fell out. He looked down, shocked and embarrassed. We both laughed and I gave him some licorice. He popped it into his mouth, gumming at the tough orange exterior and went smiling on his way. I met all of my neighbors that day and shared my licorice with all of them. The racists, 
the contract killers, the meth cooks, the prostitute killers, teenage bookies, traders of exotic animals. Over at the ATM, I joked that maybe they should try the handle. The crowd got quiet. Was this it? Was this when the violence would start? Me, shirtless, with a harmless joke? Arabs one and two looked at each other. Number one turned the handle, and the safe opened. It was that simple. In that moment, watching the neighborhood, young, old, tattooed, riddled with syphilis, it was the perfect Benetton ad. We all came together and it felt beautiful. I felt beautiful. At one with the universe. Children that had threatened me with bodily mutilation smiled at me as they ate the licorice I gave them. Every one of us, from all different backgrounds, came together and shared this moment of opening the ATM and we ate licorice. in his leg, tilted the ATM, opened the safe door, and let all of us look inside. It was the light, the truth, God. I made sure everyone had at least one piece of the licorice. I've always wanted to share it, to be neighborly, and now, now was the perfect time. We danced, sang, and chewed on licorice. I didn't. I prefer black licorice. Mango-flavored licorice, it's disgusting. Some of my neighbors might have felt the same way. Soon they all started convulsing, bleeding from their ears, screaming on godly screams. Did I use too much? I wanted the poisoning to be slower, to enjoy their deaths, to prolong it. What did I know about lacing licorice with strychnine? Now my neighborhood is quiet, peaceful, and truly serene. I just need to do something about the smell.